Welcome to Future Projection, a Baseball America podcast. This is episode 79 of the show. I am Carlos Colazzo, joined as always by my co-host Ben Badler. What's going on, Ben? It's, it's college baseball, man. I'm fired up. How about you? I'm very excited. Um, traveling this weekend, going to Texas. I mean, we've been talking about it on this show for a long time, but I'm also excited because today on this very podcast, Peter Flaherty is making his debut on the Future Projection podcast. You're already in Arizona, Peter. How are you doing? And welcome to the show. I am. I'm out west. I'm I'm at my girlfriend's place. So I'm very excited for the college season to start, and I'm arguably even more fired up for my first appearance on the Future Projection show. Yeah, well, I mean, no no pressure, but it's a pretty competitive show today. We are returning an exercise that we did a year ago with Ben and myself and making it a little more complicated, a little more fun, and adding in a little bit more expertise. We are drafting 2024 teams. Um, so ahead of the season, I think last year I had, I had a fun time drafting a team and kind of competing with Ben. So this exercise, we initially, the idea was to try and draft the best team we could not necessarily which players are going to get picked earliest in the draft or sign for the biggest bonuses. It was fun to kind of look over which teams did the best in that area. But I think we still have several years to find out who actually did best in that exercise, Ben. So it's a long-term process here. And today we're going to try and replicate that with a class that maybe is more difficult to draft. And I think adding a third team, a third drafter will make it even more interesting but ben what are, what are your thoughts from last year's exercise and do you add any any knowledge or insight coming into year two of this i think based on last year's results it seems like i'm the favorite coming in oh. this year um <laughs> you did you did have a very good you got three of the top the three of the big five on your team last year uh, i was your, <laughs> your lineup is pretty good i'll give you that but that uh, outfield is loaded <laughs> yeah so yeah, last year outfield. I think if we're looking at just draft results, though, I will agree with you, Ben. You didn't have a single player that didn't get drafted. I was listening to that episode in preparation for this one and also to get some clarity on on just some of the rules uh, that we implemented for this draft. And I was distinctly like I was trying to add some safety and security to my pitching staff, which was very high school heavy because you had very smartly loaded up on the top college pitchers in the class. And the pitcher that I went with to add a little bit more security was Tanner Witt, who was the only player of this 26-player exercise who did not get drafted. He was coming off injury, um, so that wasn't too great. But I still think long-term, I've got a chance. Uh, it'll be fun to kind of monitor this moving forward, and it'll be fun to layer on 2024 and add Peter to the fold. Um, I guess this can kind of serve as a pseudo college preview as well as we head into the weekend but if you need a an expansive and full-on preview i would encourage you guys to check out the site at baseball america peter and, and teddy cahill have been putting out an absurd amount of content to get you guys ready and then obviously weekly we'll be following up and doing college hot sheets updated top 25s all sorts of in-season content so this will be fun um any any final words before we get this started from either of you guys no, I'm I'm fired up to draft. I'm a huge fan of like the draft episodes. I loved our our best tools draft um, on the high school and college side. So I'm I'm looking forward to our third one. Well, right. I guess fourth if you count the the th the Thanksgiving snake draft. But <laughs> I'm excited for our third player draft. Yes, this will be fun. Um, we don't have an order picked yet. How do you guys want to do this, Ben? You went first last year. I don't really think it matters if you wind up going first again this year. Should we do a randomized order or flip a coin? You went first last year, Ben. What do you think? 
how are we going to flip a coin with three people? I'm curious to hear how uh, you're going to do that. Actually, probably a list a, a list randomizer is probably the most fair way to do this. So I'll put all of our names in a list randomizer. And if you guys trust me to give you the results um, accurately, I'll just run that right now and let you know. Peter, you want to guess who Carlos is going to randomly give the first pick to? <laughs> I think he'll give one. He'll give one one to himself. Watch it actually like spit out Carlos's one one. No, it's not. So the random order, random word I got was Ben, Peter, and myself. So there can be no accusations of bias here. Uh, and we're also going in a non-snake order, so a typical drafting order. So I'm basically screwed over in this order. So hopefully you guys are happy. Mm. Oh, I actually right. did not be that guy. The one spot, I, I did not want to pick second for some reason. Well, I'll trade you the third pick if you want, because I wanted to pick second. Oh, oh man. Now let's get in my head. So uh, you want three? I'll stick with two. I'll Dang stick with two. it. I really I'll wanted two. Okay. I'll All right. Ben, unless you want to trade and give me the one number one pick for three, we're ready if, to go. If we start introducing trades into this draft, <laughs> it's not gonna Hey, go the, well. the fans want draft pick trading. We need to bring it. If we if we, we put in this podcast and show MLB how widely acclaimed the episode was, I think they'll implement it. We should outline the rules though first, right? Yeah, so go ahead. It's, it's one catcher, you have two corner infielders, two middle infielders. Three outfielders, four pitchers can be starter, reliever, whatever, and then one utility spot. So mm-hmm. basically, one free spot to use. Yeah, we use utility. Not necessarily you have to find a two-way player, although there's no shortage of that profile in this draft class. But basically, like Ben says, like any any position group. If you really love the catchers and you you don't have your fill at catcher, you can just draft a second one and put them at util. And, and then you have to take at least six high school players and at least six college players. Yeah. So it's 13 players for each team. So you will have the ability to do an extra high schooler or an extra college, but at least six. I think last year we actually were trying to do half and half and we didn't realize until halfway through the process that we were drafting an odd number of players. So it worked out well. It gives us some some creativity and some flexibility. So all right, all right. with those rules set and again, we're just trying to draft the best possible teams overall. So you're just trying to load up on on good players. Um, we will check after the draft and just see how our teams did in that. But really, five years from now is probably going to be our best indication of who drafted the best. But with yeah. that, Ben, you have the first pick. Take us away. I am going to take uh, West Virginia infielder J.J. Sure. Weatherholt with the number one overall pick in our fake draft. Uh, I think he has a good chance to be the number one overall pick in the real draft too. Um, really talented hitter. There's power there. Um, obviously, I'm tempted by Nick Kurtz um, here. Big power bat out of Wake Forest. But um, I think J.J. Weatherholt is the most complete player overall in in this draft so i'm um, i'm going with weatherholt all right i kind of expected that's the direction you're heading it's number one on our board i think everything you said makes a ton of sense um i would have been surprised if you went with a guy like kurtz over weatherholt so nice job ben um peter you were up okay so i was debating between a couple of guys for the one two spot i'm going to stick with a guy that i've loved for a while now and i'm going to take oregon state second baseman travis bazana was super productive last year at Oregon State, then proceeded to dominate the Cape League and won MVPs. It got a super explosive operation in the box with double-plus bat speed, um, really unique contact ability, can drive the baseball all fields with a little bit more thump to the pull side. Um, I think he's going to hit his way to the majors. I, he's a sound defender at second base with above-average arm strength, but 
I really like the offensive profile, and that's what that's what put me over the edge with Bazana. For as good as Nick Kurtz is, both in the field and at the plate, but I'll stick with the Aussie. Yeah, this is kind of how I expected this draft to go after I got the third pick. I knew Peter's preference for Bazana, and I assumed that that would be the pick if, if Weatherholt went one. I really wanted to get one of these middle infielders at the top because I feel like middle infield in this class in general is pretty dicey. Um, there's an obvious player I should take here, and I would take him if this was a snake draft, but I'm just debating if I need to go another direction, just given some of the the various weaknesses and strengths of the class, just demographic-wise. Because <sighs> I, I would be stunned if this player was available to me on the going back the other way. I might have to risk it, though. So I'm going to take... And I also should probably be less transparent with my draft strategy as we go because it's only no, going to help talking. you guys out. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm going to think of the next one. Yeah, so the next one I'm thinking about taking uh, Jack. So don't take him. I'm going to take Nick Kurtz. You guys mentioned him both. Um, Wake Forest first baseman. I think you guys have two of the three best hitters in the class right now. And I think with Kurtz, I'm just taking the third best option there in that elite tier. He's got great power. He's got great... Um, swing decisions he's got contact ability he is probably the best defender of these three players but he is further down the defensive spectrum so how how much you want to value that i guess is up to you uh, but i will just stick with the board this early on take the number two player on our board and go with nick kurtz so it's back to you ben we've all taken a college player uh, and we've all stuck on the infield so far all right well i think i'm gonna go take uh take nick kurtz's teammate which maybe doesn't Ooh. give anything away quite yet, but um, I'm going to go with Chase Burns. I think this is a draft that is light on college pitching, and Chase Burns has been electric so far. Not that the season has started yet, but uh, <laughs> him pitching, you know, when he's pitching in scrimmages, it's the stuff has been electric. Josh Norris was out there saw him throw uh obviously the lineup he's facing is still pretty good too i mean it's wake forest it's the number one team in the country um we have him i think what the number two arm on our board just i mean obviously yeah. there's unless you count yeah unless you yeah. count either jack caglione or connor griffin mm -hmm. yeah in terms of straight pitching prospect and here because of just their pitching ability he would be the number two arm on the board and i don't think there's much separation in him and also, Nick Kurtz's teammate, Joshua Hartle. So. Yeah, I think he has a huge upside on the mound. Uh, the stuff is hard to match for any pitcher, college or high school, in this class. So um, we need four pitchers, and I, I don't feel super confident in <laughs> – the uh the pitching here especially on the college side so i'm this, happy with chase burns leading my rotation i mean this is kind of what you did a year ago ben and i'm consistently surprised by it because i think drafting in, all the good players yeah no drafting pitchers early because you are you are probably the most most averse to putting pitching prospects high up on our lists and here you are tapping the the pitching demographic sooner than everyone in your second year in a row so i, I thought you were going in a different direction when you said nick kurt's teammate but I think you make a, a compelling strategic uh, case for Chase Burns, and he does have electric stuff. So, uh, Peter, we're back to you for your second pick. I I don't know how much of a reach this is it, it, with my second pick and, I guess, fifth overall, but I'm going to dip into the high school crop early on, and I'm going to snag P.J. Morlando as my first baseman and one half of my corner infield duo. 
Um, I think without a doubt, he's the best high school hitter in this year's class. Um, there are a couple others that I consider, but Morlando is the best hitter for me. It's a really unique hit power combination. It's a super powerful swing. He's got plus present power. The hit tool is, is also borderline plus. And I think sticking about sticking him over at first base, um, will serve my team well. And he's got a, a big league body at six, three, 200. He moves well around the bag. Um, I, again, it's a, it's a pick that's driven by the offensive profile, um, but but I, I really like Morlando and I, I I'm fine reaching to get him here, for the sake of my team at least. I would not take him fifth overall in real life. But gotcha. Well, this is interesting. We are only five picks in, and we have already taken two players ranked outside the top ten on the draft board. So that either speaks to the extreme sensitivity of strategy here, or the fact that it's just a very muddled class overall. And I think both are elements at play here. Uh, Peter, you're the first person to select a high school player. I'm going to stick on the college side. This is actually the player I was debating with my first overall pick at number three. And I was scared Ben was going to take him when he said Nick Kurt's teammate. Um, but I'm going to go with Seaver King. And I do have to ask you guys what position I will be able to put him at. We have him listed as a shortstop. He's not going to play shortstop this spring at Wake Forest uh, unless Merrick Houston gets hurt. It sounds like he's played in center field. He has played second and third in the past so i'm curious what what uh flexibility i have here to to place him i I want to take him as a middle infielder i think for the sake of this exercise that's the beauty of of siever king's profile because again in this draft you could make the argument uh for him as a middle infielder at, at not really a shortstop with houston but um he has tons of experience at second base you can make the argument that he's a corner infielder here because that's where he spent most of his time in the Cape. But um, I think for me personally and where he's going to play this spring, he's an outfielder long-term. Ben? I, I think you could put him at any of those spots. I don't think you have to commit to a spot either. Okay. Right now. You be cool. your utility guy. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to put him in the middle. Club. I'm going to put him in the middle infield right now, but I'll reserve the right to move him around later. That's another benefit of taking Seaver King as I get that flexibility with roster construction. So oh, you could do that with PJ Morlando too. As no, very true. Yeah. Yeah. Corner infield, put him at first base, put him at, put him in the outfield. We've got him has on a before. corner infield for you there, right but... now, Peter. But if you want to change it, let me know. That's where I'm going to have him for now. Okay. All right. We're back to you, Ben, for the first pick of the third round. I I am going to take Mike Sirota, the mm. center fielder from Northeastern. Um, I'm feeling pretty good up the middle right now with Weatherholt and Sirota, um, two, probably two of the uh, most well-rounded balanced skill sets across the board uh two guys who can uh really hit a lot of confidence in their bat uh and sirota being able to play a premium position in center field i feel like i have three of the best or two of the best college hitters in the country and maybe the best college pitcher too yep all right uh peter we're rounding back to you yeah, up the middle, Ben, now looking at your roster, it is stacked. And so while while you're stacked up the middle, uh, I'll stack my corners. It's a guy that I'm not super confident in his defense um, and think an eventual slide over to first base is in his future. Um, but when talking about pure hitters in the college side, at least, um, this guy is, you know, you can put him up against anyone, and that's LSU third baseman Tommy White. Um, again, it's, it's a unique hit power combination. It's a, 
he's a super physical kid and there's a ton of wrists and forearm strength there. And, you know, he's got the unique ability to drive the baseball with authority to the opposite field. And it's a very loose kind of surprisingly athletic operation in the box. I, I like how he moves in the box and he's got super quick and whippy hands. Um, and he, and he doesn't really need to sell out to get to any of his, his plus power that he possesses. So I'll, I'll take Tommy white. All right. Uh, so you've got two of your corner infield spots filled, uh, barring a change in position uh, for PJ Orlando. On the board for me, a couple profiles I'm thinking about here. Um, I'm probably going to go outfield in this range. I'm going to stick in the top 10 of our board. I'm not going to get crazy and go outside of it just yet. Uh, I like some of the offensive firepower that I still have. And I'm going to go to the SEC and I'm going to go to Georgia and I'm going to take Charlie Condon. Um, I think he just has a very strong offensive profile overall. It's a lot of power. His production as a freshman was sensational. Um, He actually doesn't chase as much as you maybe would expect, given the length that he has in his swing and just with the frame overall. Um, Again, this is another player. We have him listed as outfield. He's played first base. I'm going to put him in the outfield now, but I guess I... I can have the right to move him in the future to my second corner infield position, if that's cool with you guys. But overall, just of the bats available, I have the most conviction in in Condon's overall offensive ability here. So I'm taking him. That's a good pick. All right, and we go back to you, Ben, for your fourth pick. And both mm. both you and me are three picks and have not taken a high school player. So Yeah, don't care for him. Uh, <laughs> no, I think... You know, I, I might keep that going. Um, do you guys? I, I think corner infield is is light for me. I mean, obviously, like Nick Curry. Really, I, I, yeah. I actually think the exact opposite. I think corner infield is probably one of the better demographics in the class. <laughs> Your problem is we've but, taken three of those profiles and you've taken none, so your options now might feel light. <laughs> but I, I don't really like it after. <laughs> After these guys, I, I obviously like Kurtz. I like PJ Morlando. Hmm. I, I think it's a little bit lighter after that. Um, maybe I just have less confidence in some of the guys that maybe you like. <laughs> well, our top player on the board is a corner infielder, so you could pick him. <laughs> that's. I think that's where I'm going to go right now. I'm going to take Jack Caglione from okay. Florida, uh, two-way player, uh, gigantic raw power. The swing and miss scares me. Uh, but I need a I need a corner infielder, and I think there's some uh, some of the other guys who we have, even guys who could be first round picks. I'm more I'm more scared of. So uh, okay, I I'll put him at util right now. Where do you want him for now? I'm put. No, he's going to be my corner infielder. Corner infielder. Okay. Yeah, I, I could move him around to utility later, but <laughs> I don't expect to do that based on okay. what I just said. I guess. <laughs> All right, there's four four college players for you. I guess the it, it definitely is college heavy in general in this class. So it's no surprise that we've only had one high school player taken, um, and we also have all of our top five players off the board now with that pick. So Peter, it is to you for your fourth overall pick. I'll I'll start to build my outfield a little bit, and I'm I'm going to stick in a corner, um, but I'm going to go with Texas A&M's Braden Montgomery, um, plus power from both sides. Um, swing and miss was a was an issue both in 22 and 23 but he shored up his approach and swing decisions last year and he cut down on his chase rate and it led to i think a six percent overall decrease in his chase rate but he's got a pro body big time bat speed again plus power from both sides 
And I, I, I like the defensive package as well. He's got a, the closest thing I think in this year's draft to an 80 grade arm and he, he moves well in the outfield. So um, I'll, I'll get him off the board. All right. Uh, so for me, I'm looking at a lot of tools here on the board. Uh, a lot of upside players who are impressive athletes, but maybe have a few more questions about the quality of the pure hit tool. Um, but I'm going to go with a player that I just have a great look at in person last summer. Uh, he graded well in a number of best tools categories from our preseason All-America voting. Um, and I think it potentially even addresses what Ben uh, sees as an area of weakness of this draft class. So maybe it'll throw a little wrinkle in his draft strategy. But I'm going to take Michigan High School shortstop or third baseman Caleb Bonnemer. He was a fir- he was a first team member of the corner in- as a corner infielder for our preseason balloting. I think that's probably his most likely position. I think he probably should fit there in this exercise. But what do you guys think in terms of placing him? Ben would know better than me. Um, I I kind of view him more as a as a corner guy long term um but again i I'd, I'd probably defer to ben here but he's a third baseman long term for me yeah i don't see him playing shortstop for very long in cool. pro ball so i think third base fits for him perfect I'll, I'll slot him in as my second corner infielder um and also the second high school player of of the draft and it's back to you ben for your fifth pick Ooh, all right i am going to hmm can't quite say who i'm debating between right <laughs> you can if you want enlighten yeah. us let's, let's, <laughs> the beauty of a draft uh, a made-up draft on a podcast ben is you can talk through it and help me and peter out at the same time are, yeah. are you surprised with any of the picks that have happened so far i guess as you filibuster here uh, me and peter maybe can talk I about that pj Orlando well. went a little earlier than i expected but mm. i get i it. reached it I reached for him, but I wanted I wanted to make sure I hit my my six high schooler quota before yeah. like being screwed with four later on. So I yeah. he was the easy guy to reach for, and I I didn't know if he'd be there for me at the turn. So those I'd say the two picks, yeah, were just more Lando and Burns with how early they came across. But again, with what Peter just said there of trying to access one of the premier high school talents in the class, trying to fill that quota, that makes sense been talking about i mean a guy that he's just personally high on in general he really likes chase burns and the fact that like those college arms that you have confidence in are going to go away quickly i think that makes sense too but yeah those are in terms of off the board selections again we have not gotten outside of top 15 range yet so nothing is truly off the board um those are the two for me i guess the fact that Caglione lasted as long as he did is maybe a surprise for some people we had him ranked number four on the board ben you took him with your fourth pick um so so i i don't think i i'm the thing is i have i have four college guys now and and i probably i don't want to take another college guy right now but it's hard not to take vance honeycutt here Mm. um sixth overall on our board center fielder at north carolina uh do have questions on the pure feel for hitting with him but it's it's a ton of tools i mean you know look i'm debating right now between him and connor griffin and connor griffin also has a ton of tools but uh honeycutt is you know doing it right now in the acc at a pretty high level i mean there is again mm. swing and miss risk there he did cut his strikeout rate pretty by a pretty healthy amount last year but that is still an issue uh, and there's plus defense in 
center field. So um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with with Vance Honeycutt here. All right, nice pick. He was one of the guys I was thinking about as well for my last one. So um, you are at five college players now, Ben. So the high school and later in the draft is going to be interesting for you. Uh, but Peter, you're up. That's like a that's like a Peter Flaherty type draft going co- straight <laughs> college all the way through early on. That's why I wanted to try and balance it because because Ben's got me beat in the high school knowledge. So in that same breath, I guess it it might be another reach here. Um, but I'm going to round out my middle infield with um, Carter Johnson, um, prep shortstop from Oxford, Alabama. I know he might slide over to second base in the future, but I'm a real believer in the hit tool. I think right now currently grades out as plus. Um, he's an he's a fine defender at shortstop. I know that he might end up sliding over to second base, which gives me two second basemen long term. But um, again, I'm I'm a real fan of the offensive profile, the contact ability, super impressive. He's a guy that sprays the entire field with line drives. Um, one of the more impressive hitters on the the summer circuit and. Um, I think I think he's got a real chance this spring to climb up even further up the draft board. All right. Um, so right now, as I'm about to pick, Connor Griffin and Josh Hartle are the top two players just available on the BA board. Both are positions that I need to fill. Um, and I'm kind of leaning towards Connor Griffin just because, again, I'm a little heavier on college players at this point. I also think there's a bit of a tier break in outfield talent that we have after this pick. I I don't know the next outfielder that I would want on my team. I've only gotten one outfielder right now with Charlie Condon. So I'm going to take a shot on Griffin's massive tool set. Like Ben was saying when he was talking about him and Vance Honeycutt, I think those are two of the more toolsy and athletic players in this class. The big question is going to be like, how much is he hitting? How much of that raw power is he going to get to? But it's double plus speed. It's a huge arm. Um, I mean, I think he could play a number of positions, but the safest um, defensive profile for him, uh, from my perspective, is as an outfielder where all those tools can really play up. Um, so I'll, I'll take some upside here and get Connor Griffin, who is the last kind of high school player we have in this elite tier in the middle of the first round. I think that's great value for, for where you're getting him. I mean, he's one of the more tooled up guys in this year's draft, maybe the toolsiest. And I, yeah. again, we we've talked about it in a couple weeks in a row on the draft podcast, Carlos, but um, I really like what he brings off the mound. I know for as loud as the offensive skill set is and, mm. um, and how well he's been producing so far, at least in the early going. I mean, it's, you know, again, yeah. he's, he's a great athlete. He's been up to the mid nineties with a slider that I think shows promise and plus potential. So, It'll be interesting to see where he ends up going forward. And, and the benefit of this pick is I'm looking over here at Ben, and he's sitting sitting here with no high school players. And I know he was just hoping that Connor Griffin would fall into his lap. Well, I literally um, just said that five minutes ago. So very, very <laughs> astute. <laughs> no, I was thinking of maybe taking him to, like, I, I've seen him take ground balls at shortstop. Mm. He looks good there. I mean, especially for somebody who's as big as he is. Like, I think you just look at him and think, oh, like, just let him – run around in the outfield the way he can run the the arm strength he has in the outfield too mm-hmm. um but he looks like I, i've seen him make some pretty athletic plays at shortstop too i was thinking of maybe taking him and maybe sneaking him into my middle infield but um yeah that was that was going to be my next pick <laughs> um no i i am going to take i know we have josh hartle ranked a tick ahead of him 
but I'm actually going to stay on the college side here with the college pitcher wow. and take Hagen Smith. Um, I think the the stuff is better. The control is going to have to take a step forward. He, he doesn't have the pitch ability right now, the the command that Hartle has, but I think the stuff and the upside is bigger. Uh, so I am going to to take Hagen Smith. All right. Yeah, I like that pit. Um, Smith, when he's on, has just absolutely electric stuff. The slider is phenomenal. The fastball is great. I mean, he misses a ton of bats, and he has been – Really, I would say maybe effectively wild at times. Like the walk rate isn't great. You maybe want to see him refine the strikes a little bit more. There's some reliever risk. But in terms of stuff from the left side, um, it's hard to really match what Hagen Smith is throwing out there uh, in this draft class. So I think that makes a ton of sense. And like you said, I don't really view a huge amount of separation between him and, and Hartle, who's the other top lefty on the board. And I guess speaking of Hartle, I'm going to start to build out my pitching staff a little bit and take and take the six, five left-hander from wake. And again, he's got the best control and command in this year's draft class. I think that he's someone, you know, looking back, however many years down the road, but I I think he's someone that can pitch a decade plus in the big leagues. Um, It's a true five pitch mix Um, fastball in the low nineties, but it's reportedly taken a step up this fall where he's been up to 94, 95 um, with, routinely flashing running and sinking life two distinct breaking balls um and i i really like the slider and and the cutter is is lethal and might arguably the best might be the best pitch um in his arsenal so Mm -hmm. i i think that again he's not a i don't think a front end of the rotation type of guy but I, i think that he's someone that can pitch 10 15 years in the big leagues all right, so we got a little run on left-handed pitchers here in the sixth round of this draft. I'm debating on continuing that run. Um, there are a couple different directions I could go. I'm not really sold on like a player that I really love next. I think we're dealing with a, a solid tier of maybe 10 or so players that I view in, in a similar range. Um, but I think strategically and to hell out, help just balance out my class. I'm going to stick with the left-handed pitchers. I'm going to go towards the high school demographic, and I'm going to take Arizona left-handed pitcher Cam Caminiti. Um, he was one of two unanimous first-team members of our high school preseason team. Uh, it does feel like he's not in the sort of Noble Meyer uh, range in, in terms of separating himself as the top pitcher in the class, but he is the closest thing we have at this point in this draft class. He's young for the class. He's got a great body. Uh, it's an extremely easy delivery. It's a fastball that has impressive velocity. And I think the shape of the pitch and his command of the pitch will allow it to play up in the future. I am maybe a little bit more skeptical of the quality and the consistency of his secondaries moving forward, but he does have some two-way background. Again, he's young. He looks the part. I think he'll, he'll make the necessary adjustments there. Uh, and the fact that he was graded out so well in terms of strike throwing from scouting directors in the class also gives me some confidence. Um, I told myself prior to this draft that I was going to try and target more college pitchers. And here I am with Kim Nitty as my first pitcher off the board from the high school demo. So there we go. I like it. All right, Ben, you you can literally only take one more college player as we move forward, just so you know. (laughs) Yeah. So I I don't think any of the guys, a lot of the guys I have targeting that I'm targeting next, I don't think you guys are going to take. The only only exception to that would probably be a catcher. Um, 
and I, I, I don't want to use my last college spot. <laughs> They'll be forced into my last college spot on one of these catchers between Malcolm Moore, Caleb Lomavita, Jacob Cozart. Um, so, so I am going to take Kate Aaron Beatty. Um, Makes phenomenal, a lot of sense. Yeah. Phenomenal catch and throw guy. Huge raw power out of Texas. Uh, it's definitely power over hit. There's some swing and miss risk in there. Not a guy I'd probably want to take maybe this high in the draft if, if it were a real draft. But um, I also wouldn't be surprised if he did go this high because you have a guy who's going to stick at a premium position, uh, be a potential plus or better defender with a 70 arm that plays up because of how quickly he gets rid of the ball and, and the accuracy of the release. Uh, pitchers love throwing to him. Uh, and potential 25-plus home run bat behind the plate. So uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Kate Aaron Beatty. I like that pick. I think it makes a lot of sense. I think what you said with uh, preferring to go with the high school demo at catcher, just given the state of your team, um, just seeing kind of the cluster of college catchers we have in this range makes a lot of sense. Um, I think I had written down to myself before, since you've already taken him. Um, that like I viewed like a, a benefit of getting Kate Aaron Bide as a high school player at catcher, just given the fact that like I think all the college options are roughly equal. So nice, nice pick there, Ben. Sticking with catching, I 100% wanted to go with a college guy behind the dish, and I'm going to take my favorite backstop in the class, um, and I'm going to snag Cal Berkeley's Caleb Lomavita. Had a great year last year. He was a first team All Pack selection, um, and then he's he's got a an outstanding wood bat track record and he's been a two-time all-star in the cape league with a career of 323 364 460 460 slash line um i it i really like the operation of the box it's super aesthetically pleasing and, and athletic um he rotates really well present bat speed i i think it's plus raw power um and he's he's started to get into it more and more in games and he's also got plus bat to ball skills handles velo really well i think the the one bugaboo is is right on right breaking balls, but he's continuing to, to improve his pitch recognition skills. And I I know that some have questions about his ability to stick behind the plate. I I really don't. Um, again, circling back to the athleticism with him, he is a he is a premier athlete. I mean, they during the fall and and at least last fall, you know, they'd stick him out in center field and, and have him run around and track down fly balls. Not necessarily an official game action, but. He is that athletic. He moves really well behind the plate. He's got an above average borderline plus arm. Um, and I think the most underrated part of his game is his speed. Um, he's again, he's an above average runner. I, I got a couple plus run times on him um, on the Cape. So I think it's a as tooled out as you can get from a from a catching standpoint. Um, and I'm sold on his ability to stick behind the dish. And I'm a believer in the the hit power combo at the plate. You definitely got a, a guy that you like there, Peter. Um, I'm glad that you took him because I was about to mention this and then I realized you hadn't taken a catcher, but I can say it now that I really wanted to be last on taking a catcher because I just think I was going to wind up with someone solid here. So now I can kind of just forget about that position until later. Unless you guys are both going to draft a catcher for a utility spot, I should be in a good good position there just strategically. And I'm happy that the guy I was considering with my last pick is still on the board. Um, I'm going to take shortstop and right-handed pitcher Bryce Rayner out of Harvard-Westlake high, and I'm going to slot him in as a pitcher. Um, this is both 
like a strategic move and me taking him at the position that I prefer him as just seeing him last summer at the area code games, hop on the mound and throw 95, 96 with such ease and rip off a nasty breaking ball. Um, a lot of scouts were really excited about just the ability he's shown on the mound. Um, and, and that look in the past, he spent more time as a hitter than a pitcher. Um, but I just think the body, the stuff, the way the arm works, the breaking ball, the feel for spin, I think he has tremendous upside on the mound. Um, and I also get the the kind of fallback as a hitter as well. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure exactly like what he prefers to do, what teams are going to have him focus on moving forward, but I think he has some of the highest just pure upside on the mound in this high school class. So, again, uh, I wanted to take more college arms, and I am not doing that. I'm taking the high school pitching demographic. All right, so I got two more spots to fill out on my pitching staff, and I'm very college heavy at this point. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with William Schmidt mm. out of uh, Louisiana, who I think has uh, some of the best stuff and upside for more still to come on the high school side. Uh, he's been up to 96 mile an hours, and he has a true like old school top to bottom curveball uh up to you know 2900 3000 rpm uh it's sharp bite a ton of depth it's going to be a huge swing and miss pitch for him just has that innate feel for spin um he's somebody where if i'm if i'm drafting in the back of the first round or right after that he's he's the kind of arm that i i like to target yeah i like that pick i think schmidt's feel for spin is phenomenal the fact that his like you said, it's a true curveball is viewed as one of the breaking, better breaking balls in the class overall. I think it's just a testament to how well he's able to spin that pitch. It's it's very difficult to rate as the best breaking ball in the class and not be throwing a slider just with how common that pitch is and, and how dominant it is, especially at the amateur level. So um, nice pick there, Ben. And back to you, Peter, who you have five college players and two high school players. Ben, you are now at six college and two high school. I'm going to kind of box myself in a little bit for the rest of the draft. I, I was debating between a few guys in this spot, but again, one of my personal favorite arms in this draft class is Duke left-hander Jonathan Santis. <sighs> Jonathan you picked my pocket here, Peter. I, nice, I got to get nice him off pick. the board. 6'2 lefty, super athletic, repeatable delivery with a clean arm stroke with, with some present arm speed. Mid-90s fastball with big-time with big time carry through the zone. And then I think he's got a, one, a slam dunk plus breaking ball in his sharp low 80 slider um, with tight two plane break um, that he varies the shape well and has advanced feel for. And then another one, another secondary that I think is borderline plus already and definitely will end up being a plus pitch is his high 80s changeup that last year I think had a miss rate at, a, at about 60%. If not 60, it was 59. Um, and it's got a lot of late drop and tumbling action. And I think. You're looking at an athletic left-handed starter with three plus or better pitches. And when you start to think about guys in this year's draft class that fall into that bucket, uh, he he might be one of one. And if not one of one, Hartle's there with him. But um, it's a very tight demographic, and, and I'm really and bullish you, on him. And you got both on your team, so there you go. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's the guy that I wanted next. Uh, I'm in agreement with you. I, I love the way it looks coming out of his hand. I like the three-pitch mix. Um, I like the traits of the fastball. Big fan of, of that. I also need to keep adding to my pitching, um, and I'm going to diversify a little bit here. And I'm actually going to do that this year with a college pitcher who has a solid track record. And as far as I know, doesn't have any injury questions, and that's 
Tennessee right-handed pitcher Drew Beam. I think he has one of the most impressive starter track records in the college class just in terms of taking the ball consistently, uh, logging innings, throwing a bunch of strikes. Um, There are players in this class that have more electric fastballs and sharper breaking balls, but in terms of getting the most out of his stuff, throwing strikes, profiling as a starter with a six foot four, 208 pound frame, uh, he checks a lot of boxes. I think it's basically Josh Hartle and Drew Beam in terms of conviction in a big league starter. Um, Just kind of one of those like high floor, I guess, safer picks. Like I could, there are other pitchers that I could have tagged here if I wanted to shoot for more upside. Um, but I just am very confident that he's going to be a big league pitcher in some capacity. Um, and getting him here as my third pitcher, I feel like just adds a little safety to the demographic for me and also keeps me fairly balanced in terms of college players in high school. I'm at uh, four of each right now. I was going to say, go- you, have a, you have a great mix right now being at four and four. I'm, you're in an, an envious spot, an envious yeah. spot. I'm not sure if picking third has allowed me just to kind of react a little bit more to what you guys are doing or like force me into balancing to stay uh, just kind of aware of what's moving on. But I'm reasonably happy with where I'm at just because I don't feel the pressure to target one specific demo. Um, But we go back to Ben, who you're making your ninth pick. You have six college players, two high school players so far. Do you guys feel like do you guys feel like there's a weakness in the class? At this point, I feel like the outfielders has a big yeah. drop well, off here. I mentioned this a while ago when I took Connor Griffin. I thought he was like the last of this group that I feel very confident about. Outside of that, there are a lot of infielders. There are a lot of pitchers. Um, so, yeah, I don't think there's like an obvious next player up at outfield. Um, yeah, might be a tough one to fill. Yeah, that's what I'm looking at right now. Um I I will go I will go with some more high school pitching here. Hmm. Um well, maybe I won't. <laughs> hmm. You know what? I will go I will go I will go with the outfielder actually. A high okay. school outfielder, not the next one we have up on our board. Um I will go with Derek Curiel. Mm. Whoa. Uh, outfielder from southern california uh just very smooth very easy actions and in, in everything that he does um i think it's a lot of contact i think there's a uh, good good defender there as well the question is how much you know how much strength and how much impact is there going to be with him also just you know staying consistently healthy like he's had some injuries um that have kind of hampered him but um i think there's some uh sounds strange to say with a high school player but probably already some prospect fatigue there just because he has been such a famous name for such a long time in southern california but um i think if he has a you know a healthy and, and big spring this year playing in the league where he is i think he has a chance to uh really move up um, so I'm going to take another, I, I really like my defense mm. in, in the outfield right now with Honeycutt, Sirota, uh, Derek Curiel. Yeah. You've got a bunch of center fielders out there. You're going to no fly zone. <laughs> exactly. All right. Nice. So you got, that's your third high school player. We go to Peter who also has six college players and, and two high school players, um, as it stands now. Um, Peter, it looks like your entire infield is locked up at this point. You basically just need to fill out couple outfield positions, couple pitchers, and then everyone still has their utility spot open at this point. 
Yeah, I, I'm set on the dirt. And when Ben was debating between when he was about to take a, a high school pitcher, I, exha- I, I, I exhaled a little bit. And then when he said he's going to take a high school outfielder, I got tensed up again. But then when he said Derek Curiel, I exhaled again because I had a no-brainer <laughs> guy next up. And it's Slade Caldwell, um, outfielder out of Jonesboro, Arkansas. And, it, and he's got a lot of strength packed into his five foot nine frame. Really good barrel awareness, can really run. Um, I I think he's a low so – you said it in your report, and, and I, I think in watching him it came through as well. He's a really instinctual player with advanced baseball sense. He can go and get it. Um, and he's another guy that um, – similar to, to Carter Johnson, he really performed well this summer. And he's someone, again, that I, I really like the hit tool there. And, um, again, I, 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 I think he's the – the best option for me at this point in terms of prep outfielders. Mm. Nice. Yeah, I like that one. Those, those two going back to back is fun. I think, uh, for me, just considering how their profiles have kind of di- not diverged. They've kind of come together over the last year or so. If, if we'd done this draft a year ago, I think Curiel would have been one of the first high school players we picked overall. I'm not sure Caldwell would have been in the conversation, but he just had such a phenomenal summer and is such a great pure hitter. Um, and just does a lot of things well. Um, so yeah, I like that one. Um, uh, let me actually add your third high school player. So I'm sitting here with four college players, four high school players. I need a catcher, a middle infielder, an outfielder, and a pitcher outside of the util spot. So I could go in a number of different directions. Um, I, I think just given the state of everyone's pitching staff, pitching makes the most sense for me to target here with this pick. There are a couple guys I'm looking at, but I'm going to take a huge shot on some of the best pure stuff in this class. And it's probably not a surprise to you two listening, but uh, I'm going to go with Brody Brecht here. Iowa right-handed pitcher. After talking with his pitching coach a few weeks ago on the draft podcast with Peter, it's hard not to get excited about Brecht. I honestly didn't expect to be the one taking him. I figured one of you guys would take a shot on the upside and take on some of the reliever risk that is inherent in the profile here. I I am very concerned about the strikes but if he is able to take a step forward in that department, maybe having a full offseason focused just on baseball, just on pitching, will be enough. Um, it's basically just a real upside play here for me. In terms of fastball slider combination, I think it's basically him and Chase Burns um, in like a tier of their own in this class for that those two pitches specifically. It's, it's kind of ridiculous. Just the velocity and the arm speed that he has on the mound and, and how sharp and hard that breaking ball is. Um, so it's a really volatile sort of profile, one that I'm typically not a fan of taking, but I feel like at this point in the draft, uh, I'm happy to take it on and, and get access to some premium arm talent. Yeah, I mean, you said it. I, I think from a pure stuff standpoint, he's got the best in the class, um, regardless of, of high school or college. Is 270s with his fastball and slider, and then in talking with Coach McGrath on the podcast, he mentioned that the command's improved um, since since putting down the football, and he's developed a split change over this the offseason that has been I, I, wicked in side sessions. So I'm interested to see how it looks in game. And if he comes out and proves himself as a starter and starts throwing more quality strikes, I think that he's going to – I mean, he's, he's a top half of the first-round guy. So I think that's, one, a great arm talent in and of itself, but also outstanding value for where you got him. Well, thanks so much, Peter. I love that I'm winning winning you over in this draft. Take that. <laughs> uh, I was thinking about taking him next, too. So um, 
I actually didn't like that pick for you at all. Um, <laughs> I think we've all had our pockets picked at uh, at least once in this draft so far, so that's good. Uh, yeah, none of the guys I'm, I'm targeting at this point, I'm, I'm too concerned about getting my pocket picked from here on out. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe because I have just more high school guys that I still need to yeah. fill out. And I think there's one of the strengths of this draft is the depth of high school pitching. Yes. So I, I do have a bunch of high school arms that I like here, uh, but I also don't necessarily see a big gap between like if you guys end up taking one of them, I'll still be fine getting mm-hmm. uh, at least one other guy that I still like to go with uh, what I feel like is already a pretty strong staff with Chase Burns, Hagen Smith, and William Schmidt. Um, I, I am going to go – I need another shortstop. I, I don't I, – I could take another college shortstop. I still could for a utility spot later on, but I, I just don't love any of these guys, frankly. Mm-hmm. Like like we have Kalen Culpepper from Kansas State, Griffo Farrell from Virginia, Anthony Silva at TCU. I don't know. They're all okay, but none of them juice me up all that much. Um, and I need to go high school. I'm going to bet on a, a bounce-back spring from Owen Pano, a shortstop from New York. Um, I thought he was one of the most talented players in the country. It was it was up and down this summer, but um, 6'3", I, I like his swing. There's obviously size there. I think it's it's not electric bat speed, but I, I think there's some certainly physicality there to grow into power. Um, I like his defense at shortstop. I, I think you just look at him immediately and don't necessarily think he's going to stay at shortstop, but he has a great internal clock. The hands and, and feet work well. Uh, really high baseball IQ, plenty of arm strength for the position. Uh, if he does have to go to third base, uh, it'll be a plus defender over there. But uh, I'm going to take him uh, and plug him in as my uh, my shortstop to go with uh, J.J. Weatherholt. Yeah, you got a, a few bounce back high school players who just have really great underclass track records between Curiel and Pano. I mean, Pano was maybe one of the more impressive defensive players I saw last summer. And even with him having a down summer with the bat, like he always took professional ABs. He was swinging at the right pitches. He was taking his walks. So I think there is some sort of like OBP floor and um, I guess optimism in, in him just having some on base skills and some power in the tank with that frame. Um, that even if he isn't some elite hitter, you still have a pretty useful player given his defense uh, at shortstop. So I like that one. I, I'm going to take an arm, a pitcher from Ankeny, Iowa, and it's obviously not Brody Brecht, but I'm going <laughs> to go with Joey Oki. Um, again, I really athletic kid at 6'3", moves really well on the mound. One of the best fastballs, at least in the, the prep, pitching class i'd say um low three quarters arm slot and it's a a mid 90s touching upper 90s fastball that just explodes from that low launch and it's got a ton of life through the zone and then he's also got a plus slider to boot um flashing borderline double plus at times um and it's got a ton of teeth to it and again i i think in terms of sheer stuff he's one of the top guys that's left on the board and and i really like the upside here and i know that he doesn't really have a, a, a true third pitch now. I know he's the changeup is a is a work in progress, but 
Um, it is a premier arm talent, and, and I'll I'll happily get him off the board. Nice. Okay, so you guys are both of the same demographic split here with six college players and four high school players um, entering the last pick of this round for me. I'm at five college, four high school. I really like a lot of the players who are on the board that I just don't feel like are realistic options for you guys at this point, given some of the, the holes you don't have on your team. Um, so again, I feel like I have some freedom to, to kind of pick some personal cheese balls to fill mine out. There are two prep players I'm debating at this stage. I'm not really sure which order is best to go with. Um, man, this one is, is probably the most difficult pick I've had at this point to make. I'm going to go with outfielder, first baseman, left-handed pitcher, Noah Franco at IMG Academy in Florida. Um, I do think that like Ben was saying, there there aren't a bunch of great outfielders um, to get really excited about, but Franco consistently impressed offensively. Um, he, he entered the summer with a pretty good reputation as a two-way player, touch and feel on the mound from the left side. Um, but man, he was taking huge hacks and making a lot of impactful contact, um, was a great performer last summer, and We've got him as one of the best players available on the board. Um, I have kind of the flexibility to put him at outfield or util. So I guess I'll just put him in outfield now and keep that utility spot open and get, um, I guess, one of the best offensive high school players available here with No Franco. I, I like him as a left-handed pitcher, too. Are you going to use him uh, when, when, when he gets on your team? Are you going to use him both ways? Oh, absolutely when, not. We're when, taking the we're taking the Bryce Eldridge approach. He's going to be oh a hitter. We're going to give him we're going to give him as many waste. reps as possible. We're going to try and get him hitting. Um, he, you know, he's a great defender at first base. I think he moves around well enough to play outfield. So he has got all sorts of versatility, both um, just depending on what role you want him as a hitter, hitter or a pitcher, and just defensively. So no, I, I want him to get as many reps as possible offensively, Ben. He can no. always fall back as a pitcher if, if need be. Noah, hold out, go to TCU. Don't don't let Carlos ruin your job. <laughs> oh, oh well, well, when we're signing him, we'll tell him that he can he can do the two way experiment if if that's what it takes him. to get him signed. No, we'll give him a realistic uh, window. Hey, if if you want to do both, you get this amount of time. If it's clear one way is better, we're gonna move you in that direction. Hey, if, if he's a great pitcher, that's that's a it's a win for me too. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. If, if that's what it takes to sign him, my preference would be for him to focus on hitting, get as many ABs as possible. The anti-Paul Skeens approach, you know? Just focus on one side and, and really optimize what you're doing there. We, not everyone is Otani, Ben. Come on. This is why it's important for players to do their homework on the organizations <laughs> that are potentially going to draft them. So, mm -hmm. you know, you don't, you don't want to go to a team that's going to screw Yeah, you up. Bryce Eldridge is really disappointed that he's not pitching right now, isn't he? Oh, well, he he could be a great pitcher, too. <laughs> and he could be an awesome hitter. You're up. All right. Uh, well, Joey Oki was one of the high school arms that I had that uh, Peter took, who, who I have targeted here next. Um, I got I got a few others here. I I, I need one more pitcher. And I probably should take a high school guy. Yeah, need, you need you need a pitcher, just so you listeners are on the same page. Ben needs to get a pitcher. He has his utility spot, and he has um, corner infield open right now. Um, I, I am going to take Tegan Coons, a right-handed pitcher out of Pennsylvania. I think he has, I think he has really good stuff now, and he, even though he's a little bit on the older end of the high school class like you just it's a very young body 
Um, there's still a ton of room for him to put on more strength. He's already up to 95. It's one of the best breaking balls in the class. Um, he'll flash a changeup too that he hasn't thrown a ton, but I think that pitch has a lot of upside for him. I, I see him. I mean, I, I think somebody will make a good run and sign him in the draft this year. But like, if he does get to school, I think he'll be a, a dominant arm at Tennessee. Somebody who I think has the arm speed and strength projection to be thrown in the upper nineties uh, and be a big arm at, at Tennessee if he does get to campus. But um, I'm not. I'm I'm taking him on on my club here. Nice. All right. So you are now at six college players, five high school. Um, we go to Peter, who's at six college, four high school, and he still has an outfield spot, a pitcher spot, and the util spot. I, I'm i going to round out my college crop here and, and also round out my outfield. I'm stunned this guy is still around because he's someone personally that I would take in the first round um, of the draft, and that's Oklahoma State outfielder slash right-handed pitcher Carson Bench. Um, he was – he had excelled in his first full college season last year. He had 345, 24 extra base hits and more walks than strikeouts. He's got a wiry athletic frame and a really violent swing that's geared towards doing damage and getting the ball up in the air. He's got a ton of hand speed, does a nice job of consistently generating backspin to all fields. Um, and it's a sound approach with above average bat to ball skills. Um, and he pulverizes fastballs last year. He hit almost 530 against fastballs, 91 plus. And then he's also a good athlete in the outfield with a plus arm um, in right field. I think with Braden Montgomery and right on my team, um, he'll be in left, but he's got a plus arm in the outfield and he'll be able to stick on the grass. And then also just watching him play, it's clear he loves to play. He plays the game at one speed. Um, and he's a, again, his, it, it's clear that he, he just is thrilled to be out on the baseball field whenever he is. And he's also, had a nice nine game stint on the Cape to boot. So um, it's a it, very exciting overall profile that I am shocked and elated that I got at, <laughs> at this point. Yeah. Benj is a really toolsy player. He's, he's one of the players that I featured in a post looking at a breakout and sleeper picks for this 2024 class. I do think that like with him, with how hard he hits the ball, it is a bit surprising that he only homered seven times last year. Um, and also all of those home runs or most of them came to the opposite field. So if he can get the ball in the air more frequently, I think his ground ball rate was above 50%. There's some moving parts in the swing. I think he has a lot of, uh, upside this year. If he can just get the ball in the air to the pull side more frequently, um, cause his, his raw power, if you look at the batted ball data places him with some of the more premier sluggers in the class. Uh, so I'm curious how just the offensive, um, setup and I guess the the launch angles will look this spring, but that's a fun pick, Peter. And you're now at you're capped out on college players at this. I'm done, unfortunately. I'd take ten if I could. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I'm gonna also stick with another player that I have featured in this breakout and sleeper piece that's should be on the website when you guys are listening to this podcast. And I am going to max out my high school demographic here and take. Oklahoma outfielder Garrett Schull. Um, he is a switch hitter committed to Oklahoma State. I'm hoping I can get a little Oklahoma prep pop-up magic here, uh, a la Jackson Holiday with Garrett Schull. I think he's got a pretty well-rounded overall profile. He does a lot of things well. He hits for some average. He hits for some power. He can throw the ball. Uh, I think it's above average arm from the outfield. He's not a great mover, but he's a, a fine mover. I think he's still got some room to add strength. 
Um, but I really just think it's a, a sound, professional, offensive approach. I probably prefer the swing from the left side, but the fact that he does it from both sides is um, not anything I'm going to freak out too much about, uh, like I do with my two-way players. But I just feel like if he has a strong spring, he could be solidly in that first-round mix. And um, just another player that I kind of like in this outfield grouping that we don't necessarily love after a certain range. Um, yeah, just a, a player I'm excited about, Garrett Shell. All right, can I? All right, so with my utility spot, that can just mm. be anybody. I could have a fifth pitcher there if I want to. Yep, exactly. Right. And you got some players that you could move around, although I don't know if it would help you to move like Jack from corner infield to that util spot or uh, I see who else you. I think actually all your other players are pretty pretty one position outside of Caglion. But yeah, you can use that for whatever you want. Yeah, I need so I need a corner infielder, and then I have the utility spot open. I need to take at least one high school player. Um, and you guys have both used both your corner infield spots. Like I, I don't know. I feel like the corner infield is is light here. Do you guys still feel? <laughs> I that mean, way? The, now, that, this, now that you at, can speak freely, that you're at this at this stage in the draft, we so like Peter took PJ Orlando and Tommy White. I took Nick Kurtz and Caleb Bonimer. I feel like both those players have potential like top 10 pick upside you took jack caglione another top 10 sort of talent charlie condon could have classified as corner infield um i i kind of liked a lot of the guys early in the draft you just didn't you didn't want them or we took them before you could but in this range i don't really see a lot that i'm really thrilled with yeah there are probably there are a couple here on bonimer and and tommy white given white's defensive limitations than you guys are you're... Yeah, he is a. He, I I think for sure he's a first baseman, but I I might be cheating the draft format a little bit there and getting like two first basemen. But no, it's that we. I mean, we specify corner infield so that oh, we yeah, can take true. more third baseman. Like there's a reason it's not. <laughs> there, this is why we do it on the high school preseason all America teams because we don't really want to f- like force a second baseman who's not really deserving there because he plays second base while all the better middle infielders play shortstop. So like. So you're saying you were lighter on Tommy White and Caleb Bonimer than we were at the time they were picked? Uh, yeah, or just I think probably just overall. In terms gotcha. Of okay. Well, you got to deal with it now, Ben. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I I think I'm gonna go. I'm gonna use my utility spot. Okay. On a high school pitcher, and I'm debating here. There's a lot of high school arms I I still like here. Mm-hmm. Probably the two. Two big ones on the board for me. One is Levi Sterling, who's our mm-hmm. next ranked high school pitcher. Uh, I like him. I've been a big fan of him for a long time. Six foot four, 190 pounds, super young for the class. He'll still be 17 on draft day. Really athletic, just starter look, starter delivery, uh, starter stuff, starter strikes. Um, not the biggest velocity right now. I think he's what, touching 93, maybe a four. Uh, but feel for spin, feel for a changeup, a, a lot of things to like there. But I, I'm going to take Chris Lavonis. Whoa. Whoa. Uh, <laughs> out of New Jersey. Uh, New Jersey, high school right handed pitcher. I think he's going to be a big arrow up arm this spring. Um, another guy who's on the young, not quite as young as Levi Sterling is, but they're, he's on the younger side of the class. Um, more projection to the frame still pretty lean athletic and there's there's more 
there's more raw stuff there right now already um i mean he's i think he was touching 97 uh in preseason bullpens already which you know we'll see what happens when it gets outside on on the real field but um you know look he was touching 95 last summer uh there's a lot of arm speed um i think the uh, you know it's it's a distinct curveball and slider innate feel for spin that he has um i, I think there's you know i probably the consensus would be levi sterling ahead of him but i, I think Lavonis is taking has already taken a, a step forward i think he's gonna take another big step forward this nice. spring so uh, i'm gonna use my utility spot on a a, a a a position where i think there's a lot of depth in high school pitching this year yeah, I mean that is a. I think it's a bold strategy using util for high school right in a pitcher. But I agree with you that I think that the depth of that demographic is strong. And I will always credit you, Ben. You're not afraid to go for an off the board selection that you believe in. I think last year, Eric Batanti was the furthest off the board selection, um, and he got a, a pretty nice payday on draft day. So kudos to you for sticking with your guys. Uh, and Peter, you're up. Ben, you're now at six and six, so you could go college or high school for your final pick if you need. Um, you only have corner infield right now. And I think with with taking Lavonis, that also means you kind of have to get your corner infield next because uh, you, you don't really have flexibility to move your guys around. Um, Peter, you have, you're capped out of college players now. You've taken seven, so you have to go all high school for your next two picks. And you have both a pitcher slot and a utility slot to fill. Gotcha. I It's so funny. Ben was debating between literally the two arms that I was going to take next with my next pick and whoever he didn't take, I was going to take. Was Lavonis the other one as well? Yeah, he was. I'm I'm calling Northeast bias here. This is what's happening. (laughs) I swear right hand to God too. That's funny. Um, So I'm, I'll happily take Levi Sterling. I know you guys both hinted at um, Mm. some of the traits that make him who he is, but again, it's a a really nice build at six, four, one ninety with room to fill out prototypical starter frame lean lean kid moves well on the mound um which makes me i i know los in your report you hit on it um and i know you hit on it again now but there could be some more to come in the velocity department um and then he's got a quality curveball i i like the change up moves well on the mound um and ben i think you you hit on it perfectly like it's starter strikes he's got starter written all over him um and i know he's probably a little bit you know, maybe more safer than, than Livonis. Um, but again, I'm, I'm really happy to get Sterling where I, where I got him. And he's just, he's just a classic, you know, polished Southern California arm who, who I think can really pitch. Yeah. Sterling was one of the high school pitchers I was debating on filling out my final spot, but I really just opted away from that. Cause I already had two other high school pitchers. That was the only reason I think he checks a lot of boxes that you want with a pitching prospect in general. Um, and high school pitcher in particular. These next two picks are going to be the easiest of the entire draft for me. Uh, I really think I've outmaneuvered you guys strategically. Um, so I, I kind of have guys sitting at the very top of the board that I'm perfectly fine to take, and I don't think fill slots on your teams. Uh, although, sneakily, Peter still does have his utility spot. No, you can't even you can't even mess me up here, Peter, because you're, you're capped out of college players. So, yeah, these are going to be two very easy picks. I will take um, Kalen Culpepper, uh, shortstop out of Kansas State. I know, Ben, you said you weren't thrilled. Excellent pick. Yeah, I know you weren't thrilled with this profile, but I do think that of the of the college shortstops that are not named J.J. Weatherholt, he has the most exciting pure tool set, and I think the separator 
for Culpepper compared to guys like Griff O'Farrell and Anthony Silva. Um, it's just the the offensive impact that he, he has. I think the bat speed is really impressive in the box. He's very twitchy. He's got a cannon of an arm. Uh, he played third base in the past for Kansas State, but I think he has the actions, the athleticism, uh, and certainly, like I said, the arm to stick at shortstop. I'm really intrigued to see him hit more this spring. I know Peter is about to get a live look at Culpepper, um, but I'm kind of excited about just the, the arm strength, the bat speed, the athleticism that I'm getting here at a demographic that I I don't really think is that great. So I'm kind of happy that, that you guys filled up your middle infield spots and I just had him sitting here for me. So I'll take Culpepper. I, I'm a hu- I know I said it, but I'm a huge fan of that pick. I, again, he's a, a slam dunk first round type for me. I'll see him live here in a few days, which I'm really looking forward to um, following up my looks on him in the summertime. But um, that's a, for where you got him in general and for where you got him, that's a, that's a big time pick. Nice. All right. Well, we're back to you, Ben, for the final your final pick of the draft to round it out. All right. So my my last one is corner infield, which I've been lamenting this entire time. <laughs> who 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 would you guys you guys have taken your corner infield spots mm. already? Uh, I guess Peter has a utility spot open. I can't take a college guy, which is who I take though. Yeah. I do who- think there are some intriguing options that are kind of in like the second third round range that I don't love, but who have some interesting offensive traits. Um, so I, I know who I'm going to take already, but I'm curious who you guys would take here. Cause it's not, I don't think it's going to be the guy I'm going to take. I would probably take Cam Smith, but I don't yep. love it. So I might consider someone like a Cole Mathis, who I think has really exciting batted ball data um, at college of Charleston. I would also maybe be intrigued by like, I mean, I don't love Blake Burke's profile, certainly in this range. Um, maybe I would be intrigued with a guy like Aiden Harris and his raw power. Uh, it would probably either be Cole Mathis or uh, Cam Smith for me, if I was in your shoes here. Cole Mathis or Cam Smith? Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah I was going to say, though, for a corner infield, traditional third baseman, if you want that, I, Cam Smith is a Ooh. guy that really sticks out to me. I think I passed um, over is Carson Demartini, who also I would consider here. I w- he was the other guy that I was going to add in there it, for mm. third baseman. It's it's Demartini and Smith for me, and then true utility guy is Mathis up to ninety six on the mound. Los mentioned it, super impressive offensive profile and a slept on one at that. Um, so I I think there are a few really good options. All right, well, will you give me? Would you allow me to take Brendan Lawson as yes. a third baseman? Yes. Right. I think that's a great pick too because I had I had a few players that I had tagged as like 35 plus names that I liked. I think almost all of them have been taken. I had Levi Sterling, William Schmidt, Garrett Schull, Brendan Lawson, and the fact that I was like specifically going out of my way to ask scouts if they thought he was a shortstop or third baseman last summer, and a lot of them were saying you know probably third base. Like I think he definitely fits here. Yeah, so I, I think he's probably a third baseman too, but I. So he's a shortstop for now. He's from Canada. He's going to play at P27 Academy this spring in South Carolina. Um, a lot of the Canadians will just come down to the States now in the spring to play more and just get seen more than they would otherwise in Canada. A lot easier for scouts to uh, see guys in you know Florida or the Carolinas. But um, I, I really like a lot of the offensive traits he has. Uh, it's a mix of hitting ability and power doesn't even need to get get off his a swing to generate that power thought he hit well during the summer too so 
Um, somebody I've, I've just really liked the offensive traits with him for a while. Left-handed bat, I think he's going to profile really well as a, a left-handed hitting third baseman. So uh, wasn't too worried that he was going to still be available at this point, given all the guys he just rattled off. So uh, I'll, uh, I'll take him with my last pick. I was debating him for my Utah spot where I had Garrett Schull. Um, and I kind of thought I was – I forgot about him – profiling as corner infield and a lot of my picks were trying to squeeze you out more like I was taking high school players when you needed a lot of them so I think this is a, a really great pick I, I completely spaced on him potentially fitting that spot for you and I think everything you said I would echo I was really impressed with his offensive tools um, and just his approach at the plate last summer uh, Peter we, we have you we've got a utility spot open and um, on brand, you are you are the one drafter here who has taken seven college players. So your next one has to be high school player. Both Ben and I have seven seven high school players and six college players. Okay, so can, am I allowed to take a pitcher and call me utility guy? Yep, that's what like Ben did with Chris. Yeah, that's what Ben did with Chris Lavonis. So you're okay, free to do great. Because I was debating between two high school arms, and I'm just looking at the spread. Okay, everyone's pitching staff is running out. I'm debating between two like two guys who might not be the 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 names that you're thinking of that i might be debating but it's it's william kirk and owen hall um mm. hall's got just insane arm speed really athletic delivery uber projectable kid he's been up to 97 recently i mean i i think there's a non-zero chance he's up to 100 um this spring and then kirk is more the the pitch ability over stuff type arm um but he was up to 92 I, recently um Lois you mentioned the the control and the change up in our best tools draft it's plus command and control it's a it's a plus change up um and I, it's a it's a slurvy type breaking ball and I know you you wrote it up as such so it's kind of like am I going for the upside play or a safer pick and I I think while Kirk does have a you know a high ceiling in his own right Hall has a uber high ceiling but with all that being said, I'm going to – oh, gosh. I'm uh, – all right, I just got to go for it. I'm going to take William Kirk, uh, nice. Paul's left-hander out of New Jersey. Um, again, a fastball isn't premium velo like Owen Hall's is, but, I mean, he can really, really pitch. Like like I said, it's it's plus command and control. He's a, an advanced strike thrower, um, polished arm. I, it's a plus changeup for me fastballs up to 92 and trending up i think there's again like hall hitting 100 i think there's a non-zero chance he could be up to a to a four this spring which would really add to the profile and then as the breaking ball continues to hopefully progress i think it's going to be uh, a really enticing pitch mix so um i i like kirk with my last pick it seems like a theme with your whole pitching staff between hartle yep sterling i was, I was thinking the same thing kirk even santucci a, a little bit as well throw a ton of strikes mm-hmm Oh yeah, dominate yeah. the zone as Coach McGrath says. <laughs> yeah, and with Kirk, that's a third player who's on the the breakout and sleepers piece. Um, and I think you also have now topped Ben with the furthest off the board pick um, with Kirk, who we have ranked one hundred two right now. But like you guys both said, with Kirk and Lavonis, who's kind of in that range, uh, it would be completely unsurprising for either of them to just show more stuff this spring and, and jump further up that board. So uh, that's your team rounded out again. Like I said last round, this last pick for me is exceptionally easy. I've got a catcher to fill. I've got two great options here in Malcolm Moore and Jacob Cozart, both of whom could be first rounders. Um, we actually have Moore, who was our first team preseason All-American catcher. 
Um, and Cozart, who is third team by scouting directors. Uh, Peter, you took our second team member in Caleb Lomavita. I'm going to go with the third team player myself. Um, I just think Jacob Cozart is an extremely well-rounded catcher um, who has power at the dish. He showed a much better approach and contact ability last spring. He was probably the second most impressive hitter at USA Baseball's trials roster um, behind J.J. Weatherholt, who Ben took with his first overall pick. Uh, he's bigger than you would typically uh, think of a catcher being, but he, he also receives fairly well. He moves around nicely behind the plate. He's got a great arm. Um, so I feel pretty confident getting a guy like Jacob Cozart, who just does a lot of things really nicely, um, and seeing him great in person helps as well, and that rounds it out for me. And one of my goals in this draft was to be the last person to take a catcher, and I have successfully done that. Um, so that's our draft. Let's maybe review our teams, pick out some favorite picks, most surprising picks, overall strategies, what you guys thought of this exercise. I'm, I'm pretty happy with my team overall. What do you guys think? I thought one, it was a ton of fun and there was a lot of strategy involved. Um, and I'm, I'm also a fan of my team. I know I reached for a couple guys up top, namely Morlando and maybe Tommy white, who I wouldn't necessarily draft where I had him slotted. Um, and then I guess in a going through a few notable omissions, at least on my end, I know the college bias is going to come through here a little bit, but Malcolm Moore is one catcher from Stanford bat first kid, but and Malcolm um, Moore will be the highest ranked player to not get drafted. He was ranked number 20 overall on our board. And it does feel like for whatever reason in our conversations internally as a staff at BA, we just seem lighter on more than the industry does. I mentioned he was a first team all American catcher by the industry. Um, I would imagine a lot of that skepticism from our parts just stems from questions about his defensive profile and if he's actually going to catch at the next level. But the industry certainly loves his his bat and his power from the left side. Yeah, some defensive haziness, but the the bat is is for real, for real. And then Griffo Farrell is another one. Average defender, he'll make the plays he needs to, but from a pure hit standpoint, um, he's got one of the more polished hit tools in the class, um, but it is very much hit over power, um, which could ding him a little bit. And then on the pitching side, Michael Massey and Matt Ager are two notable ones for me. Massey arguably has one of the best fastballs in this year's draft and he couples it with a with a plus slider and a and a budding changeup Azure again mid 90s fastball with a quality breaking ball um with a changeup to boot so um those were some of the notable guys that that didn't get popped for me Kevin Bazell is another one and when just looking at pure hitters he's he's one of the better pure hitters at least on the college side um this year so he was another one I wasn't too shocked didn't get popped but I would have probably considered if we weren't constrained to the to the seven and six or six and seven, however you want to slice it, college gotcha. and high school guys. Peter, would you have drafted a single high school player if you you were able to just draft whoever you wanted? <laughs> I would have. I know it's part of the bit that I'm like super college heavy and I have a, a, a heavy college preference, but yeah. I think like if there were no constraints, it would have been ten to three or nine to four in mm. favor of the college guys. So maybe not as insane as. Uh, you or some people listening might think, but gotcha. um, it definitely would have been more college guys, the majority college guys. Okay. Ben, what about you? What do you think of your team and just the process overall this year? So I, I liked my draft, especially at the start to get uh, JJ Weatherholt, Chase Burns, Mike Sorota leading the top of my draft. I was pretty excited about that. Uh, I think two of the more well-rounded hitters in the draft with Weatherholt and Sorota, I think Chase Burns, 
for me is the best college pitcher in the draft. I think it's really exciting stuff to get him and Hagen Smith as two college pitchers anchoring my rotation. I was quite happy with uh corner infield spot. I, I have guys who I, I like, but at the same time, I was kind of hoping for PJ Morlando there until uh, Peter snuck him in to his club <laughs> earlier than I was anticipating. Um, and then, uh, you know, I think the, the utility spot, I, you know, I, I just drafted some depth of mm. high school pitching, which I, I think there's, I think there's a lot of high school pitching here. Like, like you said, there's nobody who's at the level of Noble Meyer a year ago, and I don't even think there's another guy who's at the level of maybe where Thomas White was at this time last year. But I, I think just like even looking at the guys who didn't get picked um, between, you know. Um, did, did Owen Hall end up getting picked? or No, Peter was debating him, but he ended up taking William Kirk. So Owen yeah, Hall is still so, available. Duncan yeah. Marston, who's been an early riser, is available. Yeah, you have some guys who have huge stuff. Yeah, Marston, Anson Siebert, uh, Chase Mobley. There's, Carson there's, Wiggins, yeah. Yeah, Carson Wiggins. Yeah, another guy, huge stuff. Is it going to be enough strikes? Um, Zach Swanson, a whole, a whole bunch of other high school pitching prospects who I think have a chance to – take big jumps uh david shields lefty from pennsylvania who probably fits into the peter flaherty school of pitching and is a pitchability strike throwing left-handed pitcher so um a lot of good high school arms who are still available uh whereas on the high school hitting side like there's nobody who i'm like oh wow i can't believe like <laughs> nobody drafted him i mean i you know i was when I took the second high school or took my second shortstop on the high school side, I was debating between Pano and Charlie Bates. I think Charlie Bates yep. um, is somebody who I could see rising up boards this year. If, if he has a great spring, um, it's going to be tough as a, you know, California kid committed to Stanford to <laughs> pull, pull him away from that commitment maybe. But uh, if he goes in the first round um, that, that certainly would probably do it, I think. But um, left-handed hitting shortstops who uh, have good actions, who have mm -hmm. good feel for the barrel, I think have a chance to rise up the board. So, uh, but otherwise, I think it speaks to the uh, a lot of the concerns on the position player side this year among the high school hitters. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that. I think that's definitely the case. Um, I think maybe it, it benefited me later in the draft because I took a few high school hitters. So early on, getting guys like Connor Griffin and uh, Caleb Bonimer, like I think those are two of the best three high school hitters in the class at this point. So that helped me out. Like I think Noah Franco maybe is is pushing towards that conversation as well. But yeah, this is an interesting class. It definitely feels like there are less guarantees than a year ago. Um, but I like the fact that we were able to work a little bit deeper into the board and trying to like balance what we really wanted versus how we needed to fill these rosters out is always uh, kind of a fun exercise. I will say the, the picks that pained me the most in this draft, um, when when Peter took Josh Hartle, I think I had taken Connor Griffin the round before uh, and was debating on Joshua Hartle because I didn't have any pitchers at that point. I really like Hartle. I think if you're going to point to one pitcher in this class that you think is a big leaguer, like Hartle would be the guy that I pointed towards. Um, so that pick stung. Um, from Ben's side, uh, I really liked, I mean, Weatherholt was not surprising 
at one. Um, that was kind of the, the pick I assumed, but him getting Mike Sirota. Uh, did you take him second or third overall, Ben? I took him third. I took Chase Burns second. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, the Sirota was one that I'm not sure if he would have even made it to me. Um, Peter, you took Tommy White with that pick. If I'm, You took um, Bazana, Morlando White. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. Would you have taken Sirota if... Um, Sirota instead of Tommy White if he was available. <laughs> that's that's who I was going to next. If okay. Them. So yeah, those those are the picks I like from you guys in terms of um, questions I have on my team. Like I, I still go back and forth on Brecht just because there is no example of a, a college pitcher in the first round with his walk rate. So that pick is is really reliant on significant improvements in the strike throwing department with him this spring. But at a certain point, I was just too enamored with the pure stuff. Um, at that range in the draft. And then I guess the one other point I'll make is I believe last year we we had hitters in all of our utility spots, or not all, but both of our utility spots, Ben. This year, the fact that you guys both have high school pitchers in that utility spot, I thought was interesting. Like I, I'm always more excited to get another hitter if I can, but I, I do think it speaks to the general strength of that high school pitching demographic on depth. Um, so I think it makes sense that that's the route you guys took. Um, but Peter, any any other thoughts from you? Or yeah, I, I, I guess just two more guys that were a little bit deeper down. That I again, if there were no constraints, and I ended up with like that nine to four college to high school ratio, I I would have heavily considered taking one as outfielder James Tibbs from Florida State. Um, plus Rob Power, really good approach. Um, the barrel sense is is very advanced and. He generates high quality impact and he's also got a plus arm in right field. That's a guy who, if I didn't box myself in, that would have been a really easy um, potential guy to round out my outfield with maybe even Will Turner from South Alabama, who I think will, um, I know is getting more love lately, but I think we'll, will really pop on a national um, scale this spring. And then uh, on the pitching side, Ryan Forcucci from UC San Diego, um, really good athletic build. I think it, Six three or six four, he averaged almost twenty inches a ride on his fastball last year. That was up to ninety seven. Slider's a budding off speed pitch, and I, I, I think it, it's borderline plus, more of a, definitely closer to fifty five right now. And then I think the key for him is, obviously, developing a third pitch, which I think is going to be his changeup that showed flashes last year. But again, it's a really easy operation on the mound, athletic mover, big time upside as a starter. He's someone else that I would have really liked to have had. Mm. Ben, any other thoughts? Um, yeah, it. Uh, yeah, probably the the high school guys that I took on the, because I went I went so college heavy mm. early on, and I'm happy I I did because I felt like there. Did you just feel like you were getting obvious picks? They're like you're like yeah, this is clearly the guy I want here. Yeah, like give me the automatic mm. or cl- <laughs> the closer to automatic guys. I feel like in. Yeah. Uh, at the top with the three college guys that I took first with uh, Weatherhole, Burns, Sirota, uh, and then Cags too after that, which I felt like was just all That right. seemed like good value. Yeah, especially for a corner infield where I'm not. Do you per, do you like him better as a hitter or as a pitcher? Uh, I think as a as a hitter, and then if for some reason that doesn't work out, then. Are uh, you going to let him do the two-way experiment, Ben? You're yeah, the, you know what? I will. doing both. I, I, I will. <laughs> I mean, it's especially if you're at. You sorry know, to Br- Noah Franco. Sorry to Bryce Rayner. Sorry to Connor Griffin. <laughs> you guys are all going to be focused on one side of the ball or the other. 
Well, if you're, you know, if you're Connor Griffin and you're playing, you know, whether it's center field or shortstop, like it's hard to do that as a two-way guy. Whereas if you're at first base, I mean, it's a little bit easier to do the two-way thing. Uh, and you can, assu- assuming he does, you know, if he's able to hit enough to be mm. a first baseman, he could yeah. DH for you too. So, um, but I you're also taking thought, the Brendan McKay approach. Uh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> approach. Hopefully, better. <laughs> maybe results. he can. Maybe he can get. Maybe he can get that Brendan McKay approach a little bit more uh, this spring. In the, terms of the swing decisions, that would be good. Yeah, but the like, I didn't want to target high school hitters early on because I, I just don't love a lot of the high school hitters mm-hmm. at the top of the draft. So, I mean, I get look like obviously we have certain roster limitations and construction rules that we've created, but I felt like. The guys who probably will, you know, if the draft was tomorrow, would not go in the first round, like, uh, you know, whether it's Pano, Curiel, mm-hmm. uh, Lawson, or, you know, some of the, the arms who I, I like in Schmidt and Coons and Ulovonis, Um I'm happy to take those guys later on. And yeah. hopefully those guys can take a, a step forward this spring. But it probably has more... Those guys probably have more risk of just getting to campus. So if we're going to count the bonus pool or, or count the bonus money <laughs> yeah, at the if, end of the day, maybe less if, safety. If, if, bonus, if bonus pool was your ultimate goal, taking the Stanford commit was a, a, a bold strategy. Um, but like we said, like six years from now, seven years from now, if we look back and um, – who who is your Stanford commit? Did you actually? Well, I, didn't, take... I didn't. I didn't take Charlie Bates. I took. Oh Pano yeah, yeah. But all Pano. these guys who are risks to get to college campus, like Owen Painter, like you said, if he he goes to college and hits like you expect him to, and like you've seen him to in the past, and winds up being a first rounder um, in a few years, and goes on to just dominate, like we've seen, like Matt Shaw just recently doing, like I don't think he'll be too disappointed with that pick at all. Um, so yeah, I'm trying to think if I any, have any other last takeaways. I, I am glad that I wound up with Drew Beam. Um, cause my first two pitchers were high schoolers, Cam Caminiti and Bryce Rayner. Uh, I was a little worried about just getting some certainty, uh, some starter certainty there. Do you guys feel like, I know Peter, you have a lot of pitchability arms. Do you feel like you were struggling to find starter profiles or did you have enough excitement and optimism about the high school class that you weren't too concerned about balancing that demographic risk with just like getting, feeling confident about your starters? Because there were, like you mentioned, Michael Massey, Peter. I didn't really consider him because I just haven't seen him start yet. And I guess I had similar concerns with Brody Brecht. He's split a lot of time in a reliever role as well. But I do feel like, I mean, I've written about it a few times already, but there's just not a lot of, there are not a lot of established starting pitchers in this class. I think I I felt really confident getting Hartle and Santucci out of the gate for my pitching staff. And then once Levi Sterling fell to me or ended up in my lap, I, I felt way more confident in my rotation's ability to to start long, long-term than I did. Yeah. Um, I think I've got three slam dunk starters. Ben, four, if you, four if you count Kirk. Yeah. What were you saying, Carlos? Do you, did you, were you struggling at all with like a lack of – established starters i mean you took chase burns and hagan smith two of our best overall pitchers available right out of the gates and i know all the high school pitchers you drafted after that um you said you're pretty excited about them but did you feel like that was an area of weakness for the draft because it's it's definitely one that i think uh, applies to this class and i'll be i guess really curious to see which of these especially on the college side i would say 
which of these college pitchers that have either reliever backgrounds or just haven't shown quality of strikes that you want to see from typical first round pitchers, um, they have a lot of improvement in, in that area as a, as a whole. Yeah. I thought the college pitching was light. Um, I, I, I thought Chase Burns to me again is the best college pitcher in this draft. So I wanted to, if I could make sure I could get him. So that's why I took him fourth overall, had his name circled Hagen Smith to another one where, yeah, I mean, the control needs to take a step forward, but uh, I had his name circled figuring that, uh, you know, you, one of you guys would, grab josh hartle pretty early too so <laughs> do you uh, and then i just felt comfortable knowing the depth of high school pitchers like you know I, if i got joey Oki or levi sterling i'd you know be happy with them mm. too uh, but there's so many of them yeah uh, there's so many high school arms who you know again maybe not like the elite of the elite right now uh, not like a jackson job noble meyer level player yep. right now but uh you know between schmidt coons Livonis. Uh, you know, some of these other guys who didn't even get drafted, I, I wasn't too worried. I, I figured I'd have mm-hmm. um, once once I get those two college arms, I felt pretty comfortable. I, I would have good high school arms that I'd be happy with after that. You mentioned your disconviction. Chase Burns is the best pitcher overall. How much reliever risk or reliever question marks do you have about him? Because he doesn't have the same sort of walk rate issues that the other guys have. His walk rate is actually pretty respectable. Um, but in terms of his operation and just the command, uh, are you like convinced he's a starter or do you have some sort of reliever risk baked into that as well? Is, I mean, is the reliever risk for you just delivery base? I would say it's a combination of arm action, um, effort in the delivery and then command. Like I know the control has been better than you might think, or, or the control is better than the command. The, his command is not as good as I think his control maybe suggests. So if you just look at walk rate, I, I think you probably would assume he's a better strike thrower than he is. I think he's more scattered within the zone. And he probably also, I, I would have to check this, but I'm sure he gets a lot of chase outside of the zone. Um, but yeah, there's a few factors for me that add to some reliever risk, in, in addition to just his usage in college. Uh, yeah, I mean, those I think are fair criticisms of him. Um, but I think if we just look at the raw stuff that he has, uh, and again, like you said, it's it's not like he's been wild it's not like he's been brody brecht type of strikes or lack of strikes so far Uh, and if you compare his stuff to just guys who we have in our top 100 right now i mean how many guys have the kind of stuff that Mm -hmm. chase burns has who who are in i don't don't mean our draft top 100 i mean our our minor league prospects are top 100 there so I, i think he um you know i think he'll be as soon as he signs, you know, like or if he signed tomorrow, I should say I, I, he might be a top 100 prospect because I, I think his stuff is that good. Um, I think he has a chance to take a, a step forward this year. Obviously, Wake does a, a really good job developing pitchers. Um, so I, I just have a lot of uh, confidence in uh, him. But but yeah, I mean, those are fair um critiques to make that i'm sure every scout who <laughs> watches him is going to be looking at and trying to dial in on this spring 100 yeah, percent. uh peter you have any other thoughts no I, I i think that just about covers everything awesome all right well before we get out of here i'll let you guys plug what you have coming up for the site or what you want listeners to be aware of moving forward but i think that's all we have for this episode we just plan to have the draft and have a pretty 
open-ended conversation as we typically do on this podcast. So I thought it was fun. It'll be interesting to track these players as we move on uh, throughout the spring and ultimately look back in a few years and see if we have any savant-like selections and and picks here. Um, But I'll start with you, Peter. Anything you want to plug for our listeners before we get out of here? Yeah, I mean, starting in 48 hours, the the, col- the Division One college baseball season, so I'll be back to clogging up all of your Twitter feeds with like NFL Red Zone-esque um, <laughs> tweeting out of highlights, analysis, you name it, in-person looks, um, scouting reports. So it's going to be a full sprint from now until July between the college season and the draft. And we'll continue with the draft podcast and then the, the college – the college podcast as well. So there's going to be no shortage of content on the amateur side for the next five months. All right. How about you, Ben? Anything you want to plug? Yeah. I'm also going to plug Peter's Twitter feed, uh, Peter Flaherty's <laughs> Twitter feed. Make sure you're following him. Um, yeah. Let us know on uh, Twitter too. Who's uh draft you liked the most, uh, unless it was, uh, yeah, Carlos or vote Peter. for me. I'll Venmo you guys just, so. uh, juice those numbers. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we'll put out some polls and see which uh, which of these teams you guys prefer. Get some feedback. Let us know if there are any players that we didn't pick that you guys really like or just thoughts in general on the exercise because it's fun engaging with the listeners as well. Um, in terms of plugging anything, I think uh, don't really have anything specific. Just the, the typical stuff to expect from BA during the college season, draft updates, draft content, following players throughout the spring, uh, the college horse race that uh, Teddy and Peter have covered. Um, we also have some mlb stuff to be thinking about moving forward as we get into preview season for that although i'm not really too concerned about mlb preview content because we have real live actual baseball that matters this weekend and i cannot wait and it'll be fun to talk about it with you guys next week we'll we'll finally be able to react to something instead of looking ahead and that is pretty phenomenal so i encourage you all to watch some college baseball this weekend if you've got a a team around you that you can go to and see in person great if not i think peter you already have a a streaming guide for college baseball on the site that people can use as a resource um but there's no shortage of ways to access college baseball and if you're really trying to scratch that itch i know if you're listening to this podcast you're probably already invested in the college game um but it is a blast and it's just fun to see the different varieties of styles of play at the college level i think it's a lot more um, diversified than what you get at the MLB. So for whatever that's worth, I think it adds a little wrinkle of interest and excitement as well. So that's that. Um, that was the draft. Thank you guys for listening. Thanks for hanging out. You can send us any questions uh, if you have them throughout the season to us at futureprojection at baseballamerica.com. You can follow Peter at Peter G. Flaherty on Twitter. You can follow Ben at Ben Badler on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, and I'm at Carlos A. Colazzo on Twitter. So thank you guys for hanging out with us. I uh, hope you all have a great opening weekend in college baseball. Uh, Until next time.